Welcome to another edition of Dev Shop Stories. My name is Josh and I have with me Tanner. Hey guys. Hey, so today we're going to share a story about hiring everybody's favorite topic. That's so fun. Yes. There's actually a lot of funny stories that we could share with hiring, you know, some during the hiring process, some actually post hiring, you know, in the, in the weeks that followed where we've made mistakes and everything. So hiring stories are always some of my favorites. Yeah, they're, they're really fun. It emphasizes the importance of getting it right figuring out what works for you because you can really screw up. Yep. And we have, so. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Well, this first story that I want to share with you, we're going to call it the quitter story. <laughs> <laughs> and so this one was, was really kind of interesting. We were hiring kind of junior-ish level at the time. We had a number of applicants that we were going through. I think in that day we had four back-to-back kind of Zoom meetings. And I think this was in the Kind of the height of COVID too, because we're doing them mostly virtual at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, they were. We found everybody remotely. We set up remote meetings, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like just one right after another. It was a yeah. kind of a crappy long week and long day of meetings. So yeah, so this yeah. one actually put a smile on our face after it happened. So we were in, we were just kind of, you know, did the whole intro. Hi, this is what Red Sky does, and this is what you know you would be doing at your job, and just kind of, you know, break the ice type of tension. And I remember specifically that we then decided to go into asking a little bit more of kind of technical questions. And and we always try to start off with just some nice little, again, break the ice kind of questions, which is like, you know, give yourself a rating of how good you are from one to 10 in these different technologies and stuff. And based on that, we, we do other things and decide which path we go down. But I remember specifically, we asked this, this one individual, a very simple question, like, I mean, it's probably as simple as, Hey, what is like a, a class, you know, that you put on HTML, right? Yeah. It was something super trivial. I don't remember the exact, yeah, the exact question, but. And, and so we asked that question and he kind of fumbled through it. And, and we, we usually try to help people and hold their hand through it. If, if we can see they're kind of struggling. And then we asked another question that was simple again, like how would you make a function that returns two numbers, you know, something that they should have learned in their first day of development. And I just remember that it was a deer in the headlights kind of frozen. And he just said, I just don't think this is right for me. And we're like, what? You know, that's like the second question. Like, like, and then, but then he just said, like, I just don't know if like, if I'm just cut out to be a developer or not, or anything. And he just started like questioning his life, you know, just like choices on it, you know? Yeah. It it like immediately just, you could see him pale Mm -hmm. in the video. And it was, it was just this like almost come to Jesus moment of like, man, this is not what I expected. It was, it was so funny that it took him to that moment Mm -hmm. to even ask. And I think he was, you know, a graduate of a boot camp, And so he didn't spend, you know, four years of his life studying CS, but he went through, you know, probably a six month program and, and did all of his learning and instructions there. But I think he just like, it clicked. It's just like, man, I, I just don't even. I'm just starting to question my, you know, my choices in life and, you know, maybe I should just go back to the power plant or something. Yeah, it was. To the coal mines. It was, it was one of the funniest experiences that we've ever had on one of those calls with people. Usually they'll at least 
make something up. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even do that. It was just an almost immediate, like, man, I, I just, I don't think I can do this. Uh -huh. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. It's the second question. We haven't even asked you anything difficult. Yeah. So we try to, you know, let them, let them off easy in the sense of like, Hey, no worries. You know, if you ever want to apply again, just, you know, send in your resume and, you know, maybe go get a little bit more experience and feel more comfortable and everything. And, you know, so we let them out of the virtual room, you know, comfortably and stuff, but it was, it was interesting. It kind of really goes to show that the hiring process is something that companies, dev shops should take very seriously because, you know, you, you spend a lot of time with people, you, you, there's inevitably learning processes that have to take place that is on the dev shop, not on the client's dime, you know, on the dev shop's dime that you want to make sure that you, you get the right people on, on the bus. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, you don't want to spend the time necessarily mentoring and training somebody who doesn't have the capacity to, to do what they need to do, or they are, you know, gun shy or whatever it is. Like it, it really is. So it's kind of interesting that you say that, like that, you know, the, the different diversities of how people come on. Do you remember that story with the, uh, the bootcamp graduate and he had this delusion of making just good money from an eight week boot camp and mm -hmm. some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the sad part is I think some of these boot camps, they kind of, you know, they really want to get you in. And so they'll, they'll kind of do these extravagant promises. Like, you know, when you graduate, you're going to go from making, you know, 13 bucks at McDonald's to 80 grand a year kind of thing, like almost immediately after just a short six weeks, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And so I, I remember that we, we had a, an employee on that had worked with, or was in the same boot camp as this other guy. And so he decided, Hey, I'm going to make 80 grand in six weeks. I can go out and get myself a brand new Mustang. <laughs> so, yeah. Right off the lot, brand new cherry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're just like, Oh boy, you know, like wait until he finds out. Yeah. That is not reality. Yeah. But not all stories are bad. Sometimes you actually get like really happy coincidences. So do you remember the kind of the Hannah and, and hiring her on at, at Red Sky? Yeah. Yeah. Man, they, it was a awesome. So she came in with just kind of requesting an internship. So she was at a university up in Idaho. A required internship to graduate. Yep. Right? Yep. So she kind of reached out and was just like, hey, I, I just need this internship so I can graduate. I'm almost done. This is one of the last things that I have to do. And that was it. So with her, we sent out kind of our normal challenge that we send. So we send out a, an actual project that they have to build. That's real world example. And we'll get more into the details on that, but we sent that out to her and it's like, Hey, if you can do this, right. We'll talk to you. Yeah. Cause I think we we're kind of right at the end of our day where we, we've basically had filled up our schedule of other applicants that we wanted to hire. And I just remember getting this email late and just being like, well, I guess the very least I could say is, Hey, do this little challenge. And if you complete it and it looks halfway decent, then I'll invite you in and stuff. And yep. so, yeah, it's like, we didn't want to necessarily close the door, but we had already kind of made our decisions of what we wanted to do. Yeah. But yeah, so we sent it out. Yeah. Kind of, kind of came back and, and we're like, wow, this actually is probably some of the most concise and correct software I've seen. And so we, we invited her in and, and got her on as an intern and, and she's, you know, still with the company and, and just doing awesome, just completely rocking it. And then it's just all because we, we had 
at least a system that allowed us to be able to send them, you know, a, an application kind of like a, almost like a filtering kind of challenge. And, And that filtering is actually filtered out good and bad. You know, um, I know that we've sent it to a number of people that just said like, Oh, uh, I just, I just don't want to do this, you know, or, and, and, and those are the kind of the people that we shy away from wanting to hire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely don't want the people who aren't going to take the initiative, be ambitious and hungry. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a real world example. It's if, if you, particularly if you've never done any production grade work before some actual real world work, it's that. And so it's what you're going to do every day. Like if you don't want to put your foot forward and at least try, mm-hmm. it's not the person that you want to have. Yep. You want to have somebody who's not going to at least attempt something. So, yep. And developers, they come from a large, diverse background and no path for anyone is, is the right. You have to do it this way, you know? So yeah. you might have some people that go to a full four year university and they can either be great or they could be terrible, you know, and, and graduated with people who I don't think they can still cope. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. And then you have some people that go to boot camps for four months. And then you have some people, you know, we have an individual at our company, Alex, who never went to any formal schooling, just learned on the job and, and just from asking questions and YouTube videos and, 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 and hard work. And he's doing awesome there. So in the end, the, the background isn't something that we necessarily look at. You know, it might be something that makes us look at your resume a little bit more over somebody else's, but it doesn't necess- necessarily mean that this person is going to shine above others. Yeah, it doesn't rule you out at all. But what I do think it does is it lets you understand the depth of some of the knowledge that they're going to have. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a, a pretty drastic knowledge difference in depth of functionality from a four-year degree to a six boot camp. Not saying that yeah. they both can't immediately come in and immediately contribute, right? But it just helps you kind of gauge a little bit of what you're going to get. But it certainly isn't an identifier for hiring or not hiring some right at all. Yeah, I look at kind of the four-year degree, or even if they stayed on for a master's or whatever, as just years of experience. You know, whether you've you've went to a boot camp for four months and then worked out in an industry for three, four years, you know, that's equivalent, pretty close to somebody that, you know, went to university and then spent four years in there. And it's just getting these years of years under your belt that, that puts them into a a place of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have to have the exposure one way or the other. Mm -hmm. You either have to have it through academics or you have to have it through world, real world experiences and make those mistakes because that's how you're going to learn is through through those mistakes. So yeah, it it certainly shouldn't be a disqualifying factor on anybody's thing. Right. So what we're really saying is what we're looking for is somebody that has the passion for learning and the capacity to learn too. And those are two kind of different things. I've seen people with a lot of passion, but they just don't have the capacity, you know, mentally to understand some of these challenging algorithm concepts and processes. And I've seen some people that have zero passion, but they, they are smart. You can see it, but they're just lazy effectively, you know? So frustrating too, that, that, that type of person Mm -hmm. is a very frustrating. So it's trying to find that mix of passion and capacity to learn. And you don't, again, you don't have to know everything, but if, if you are learning, like, like, for example, we put everybody through a red sky university, we have 
video courses that we've created that show our processes, our procedures, our code components, how we do things. And we, no matter who they are, you know, whether they're the, the most senior person at a, you know, big firm that's coming in and working with us or a, you know, a junior person just right outside of them kind of thing. We put them through that, that Red Sky University because it allows them to at least have the knowledge of how to get their feet up and running. It actually really stemmed a lot from, we, we found that when we hired people on, we would have to individually put a lot of time into each one of these individuals and teach them all these core concepts that they just weren't being taught in school or, or on their previous jobs and stuff. And so we were, we, we said, how can we, you know, take this time and just, you know, replicate it. Right. And be able to kind of have a nice course. And so we actually created Red Sky University for that purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very frustrating to have to teach the same thing over and over and over to every single person that comes in. It's, and it's not scalable. You can't, you can't scale your time that way. So right. that, that continuing education and just really understanding that the people that we bring in have the capacity to learn that stuff. It, it really kind of shortcuts a lot of that because it's not a concern of, do you understand this? We know you can understand this. It's just, here's the content and the context to understand this stuff. So, And since we've started Red Sky University, we've expanded the course content from just developers and developer-centric topics to now designers. We have a number of videos and courses on UI, UX design and how we, you know, framework our, our Figma designs and our style guides and brand guides, how we've done that. And we've now expanded it to QA and how yep. to look for bugs, how to write up bug tickets and all that kind of stuff too. Yep. yep. And then a, a big emphasis that is not necessarily as apparent as, hey, this is how this thing works, whether it's design, QA, development, whatever, is the understanding and kind of context between the two. So one thing that's really hard is understanding the design to development communication. So having some training on that piece, right? How, how does the design interpret into development yeah. and that, that kind of translation and stuff. So anyway. Yep. And so th that's kind of the, the post hiring process, but let's take it back to our actual, what is our kind of multi-step process for hiring? And so imagine as you will, somebody comes in and they're, I'm just going to sit down in front of Tanner and say, hi, I'm looking for a job here. What, what do you do? What do you say? How does your hiring process go? Yeah. So for us, I, this was your idea to do a ranking system. So we ask the individual on a bunch of different technologies. For us, our predominant stack, we like TypeScript, we like Node.js, we like React, we have a custom framework that we wrote, you know. So we ask questions relative to that and we ask ranking questions relative to that. So for the individual, it's, hey, Josh, on a scale of zero to 10, zero meaning you've never heard of it and 10 meaning you're the guy who wrote it, how would you rank yourself on Node.js? Oh, 10, obviously. Yeah. It, the <laughs> crazy thing is, is you hear 10 a lot more, more often than you should. I mean, I've never personally met Ryan Dahl, but I've heard a lot of people say that they're 10s on Node.js. So. Uh, uh, that is funny. And, and our follow-up always is like, oh, you're the guy that wrote it, you know? And they're yeah. like, oh, well, I just know it really well. It's really, really good. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's not the scale. Yeah. So even from that initial assessment, the, you know, 
you didn't pay attention to the details of the initial assessment even. Yeah. You don't even understand the scale or didn't assess the scale appropriately. Mm -hmm. So no one should be a 10. No, if not. And so with those numbers, then you can direct, you know, what type of questions you would have for them. If somebody said that they're only a, a four on CSS versus, you know, an eight, you might ask them, you know, lighter softball type questions in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who says that they're a four on, on Node.js, I'm not going to ask them about how the event system system in Node works, you know, versus somebody who's an eight or a nine in Node. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to know exactly how these things work. You should, you should understand it at that level if you're at that, mm-hmm. uh, ranking yourself at that level. So we very much tailor our questions based on what that is. And it, it obviously takes people who are at that higher end to be performing the interview. And it is a very technical interview. Mm-hmm. This, this initial phase is, is highly technical. We ask a lot of those questions and then we go through the questions with those people and assuming that they answered adequately across the board and no one's ever been a hundred percent and that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. Right. We kind of dismiss them and schedule a follow-up meeting. And this one is equally as important, I think, to the technical one. And this is our culture. Right. Yep. So we have HR Jacob, essentially yeah. what we like to call him, but he is, he's a master communicator. He's really good at just you know, just getting people to, to like him. He's charismatic and, and he just kind of is able to kind of break down barriers and just kind of see what they're like to work with. Cause we really highly regard culture at our dev shop at Red Sky. And so we want to make sure that we have the right cultural fit, that this person is going to fit in well and jive with the team because you're working with these people. I mean, you think about it, you spend more time at work with your coworkers than you do with your spouse or your significant others, you know? So you want to make sure that that environment's going to be good. It's going to be healthy and, you know, you're going to be able to build off of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it needs to be cohesive. And like you said, HR Jacob is phenomenal at that. I've, I've said it several times with him or about him that he could be the guy that tells me that, you know, he ran over my kids and they'd be like, oh, that's okay. You know? <laughs> like he, he just is that type of person, but it's important to have that for us, and I think for most people to have that cultural dynamic that they want and to kind of maintain it, I, we've had some experiences in hiring that have been opposed to our culture and it has caused some pretty drastic problems. So we can get into those stories at another time. Yep. Obviously, you know, we, we'll, we'll always look at their experience and what they've done, but in the end, the kind of the final phase to our multi-step process is. We want to give them a real world challenge because we, we realize that on the spot, you're nervous, you're, you know, you might not be thinking clearly. It's really hard to kind of judge somebody there. And so we want to give them a, a challenge. That's going to be something that, that they'd actually see. So it's like, Hey, go and build this little website, you know, and, and have it to communicate to a backend. So you got your front end of the website, the backend, meaning the server and the software that's running on that and have them talk back and forth, you know? Make a site that you can add a customer to it and pull down that list of customers so you can update a customer or delete a customer. And we've, we've iterated on that approach a number of different times. And what we do is we ask them to measure how long it actually took to do it because some people might just fly through it and that's great. And, and if their, their product looks good and their code quality looks good and their time is great, that seems like a sure hire. But we've also had people that have taken 
you know, we kind of estimate it's going to take, if you really know what you're doing, you know, maybe two hours kind of thing. If you, if you don't know what you're doing, you know, obviously a lot longer, but if you're like the guy that's super thorough, that has to get everything just right and check all the boxes and everything, we've had people take up to 24 hours on yeah, this, you know, actual work on it. Yeah. Yep. And I feel bad because this is not a, you know, it's not a paid challenge, which some companies are moving to that where they're, they're actually paying you to do that kind of stuff. And we, we want to make sure that they understand, like, I, I've heard a number of horror stories where dev shops have asked them to essentially work on customer client projects, you know, as part of their tests to do it. And then they just basically think of this as free work. So yeah, they uh, farm it out. Yeah, yeah. They, they're essentially farming it out to these hires and then they never hire them and everything. So, um, we wanted to make sure that it's, you know, very obvious that this is something that's a throwaway, but it's something that we do. And so we figure that they are putting time into it to, you know, show us what they can do, that it's, and it's good on us to actually call them in. We, we do this with all of our interviewees. We call them in and we actually go and do a code review with them in, in that spot. We figure, you know, they spend time with us. We should at least spend time, even if it's not going to go forward into a hiring and stuff to give them some feedback, some, you know, some criticism, some, you know, words of encouragement, whatever you'd say. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the objective is even if we're not going to hire that person, like you said, Josh, we, you spent the time to do it. We want to give you some constructive feedback. There's, there's definitely a few ways that you can give feedback in code reviews in particular, right? You could be that, that kind of brutal, just beat them up sort mm -hmm. of, sort of approach. But what we want to do is whether we hire them or not, is give them some constructive feedback to grow from mm -hmm. in a real world example. And for us, that's, that's really the, a big differentiator. I think it's, I, I don't care if you can do a, you know, binary tree search from memory on a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's stupid. I don't care. But a real world example of building this site and how this interacts even if I don't hire you, that's a real world example. That's something real and tangible and an experience that that person can take, you know, going forward. So it's, it's been great in vetting people on both sides of it. People who've made it through the questions, the culture, and they get to that part and it's like, oh, I don't actually know what I'm doing, or I don't want to do this. But then the, the, the other side of it too, where they may have struggled on the questions and the culture, you know, is it, is a good fit or not, whatever. I mean, it's important, but they get into the, the challenge and they absolutely nail it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, well, at least if for nothing else, they're willing to work hard. They put forth a tremendous amount of effort to get this. So yeah. we can take a more measured evaluation of that person. And like I said, we have iterated on the challenge. Uh, originally, we just gave them just a Google doc that just kind of described the challenge. And we've since iterate on that, since we are getting back a number of different designs, you know, so we're basically looking at the programmer art of what they kind of came up with, which, which is one thing, you know, some people were better and some people were way worse than others, you I know, still see that color. In my yeah. Eyes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but, um, we, the, the, the real world example though, is they're actually going to be given a design, right? They're going to be having a designer that says, Hey, Here's the font size, here's the padding, the margins, you know, everything that you want there. So the real challenge actually is how well can you actually match that design? And so we've since shifted from do whatever you want to try to match this design as best you can. Yep. Yeah. So we had our designer go through and do a real world write up of 
what this would be. So it has typography, it has the themes, it has everything that we would want in an actual project. And it's structured like any of our actual projects. And part of that evaluation is not only can you make it work and do what it's supposed to, but can you kind of read between the lines and do that thorough evaluation and actually hit your, your margins and your padding and, and the colors and right. Do you have enough attention to detail to get to those things without necessarily being directed or guided to those mm -hmm. requirements? Cause you've been given a full, you know, Figma design in this case, you yeah. know, to, to do all of the things that you need. Yeah. So, so more of the story is be very slow to hire, be choosy, but you know, these are real people out there. Give them real world experiences, life experiences, treat people well. And that's about it. So thank you for listening to our story. We'll be back next week with more stories, personal experiences, and advice on running a dev shop. Thanks, Tanner. Yeah, thanks, guys.